Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio dot com slash IB two E 
radio, and you'll see the chat function and go right to it. Or you can contact us on Twitter while we're working here at um, at the Twitter site slash W Eastman. And by the way, I'm Bill Eastman. Um, I am the president, managing partner of Applied Knowledge Labs, among other things. And I'm going to be your host and have been your host now for quite a while. So now that we got the administrative out of the way, let's talk about your legacy. Well, here's here's why we're starting here. Thirty some odd years working with small businesses, medium-sized business, large businesses. Um, one of the things that I've learned working with companies where I was still the owners were still involved and I was still working with them was at getting the answer to the question of what's the end game. In other words, and when I say end game, how do you intend to leave the firm? How do you intend when the day is done to say, I am finished, I'm going to move on? Because without a clear end game, it is exceedingly difficult to grow the company the way that you want to because things that are worth a great deal of money in terms of the valuation of the business, uh, given one set of circumstances, have absolutely no set, no value under other sets of circumstances. So how important is this? Well, it really determines how you're going to grow the business, how you're going to get rewarded for all your hard work and the energy and the sweat and the hours away from your family and all the sacrifices you made. You have to have clarity on your legacy. The second part of the series is going to be what we call the course forward. Okay, given your legacy, um, what do I need to know in order to put that map together? And we're going to talk about fast growth, sustainable growth, and what are the stages of that growth. And those of you who are listeners of ours, you know that we uh, did this series about 18 months ago. So it's not bad that we loop back around on this. And then the third show um, in the series is going to be around beating the odds by changing the odds. And what are the issues that, as the owner of the company, you must attend to if you want to manage the process? But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the legacy. So that's the part. And where we start here is what's the dream? You made an incredibly significant life decision uh, to open your own company, to run your own firm. Uh, it's a tough call. It, it is not like taking a corporate job, not to minimize that. But even if you're even if you're in somebody else's company, if you're if you're at the in the C-suite, it is still a significant investment. My issue is this: when you run your own company, there are no days off, there are no vacation days. Even if you feel um, that you can take those days, the reality of the situation is that many times you don't. And if you do, what are you doing the whole time you're there? You, you, so you're always on. And so this is huge investment. And the question becomes, when it's time to go, what's the plan? How are you going to leave the company? How are you going to take your investment out? How are you going to get paid back? And that's kind of the focus that we're going to have uh, for the next few minutes. And so... The first of the three critical questions to ask yourself is, how do I want this to end? Um, and what's helpful, and I think what's going to help our debate here, is to understand what is possible. So let me detail it out. There's basically, we're going to cover five topics. First of all is what's possible. What are the best best done? I provide that information to you to help you in decision making. Number two is where are you going? Now, obviously, uh, this is just a radio broadcast, or it's a podcast, or it's a slide presentation. I can't tell you. Uh, where you're going because that's a personal decision. What we've decided as a company is we're we're going to grow this large, take it public, IPO the thing. Uh, we're going to do that in the Canadian market because it's just simply easier than being slipping in the United States. And that's our path. That path works for us because that's our plan. 
but it's not necessarily your path. So where are you going? The third one is how how does your industry work when it comes to business valuation? And if you understand that, then where does my company fit in? Because that gets us the fourth one is that what are my ratios? How do I fit against the other companies? Because, for example, if your goal is to sell, is to grow it to a certain point and sell the firm, um, what you want to do is every decision that you make, you want to maximize the value of the company. Well, how do I do that? And so if I don't understand how the company is being evaluated and I do not understand my ratios, it's exceedingly difficult for me to make that call. And then the last part is that what are your go-forward uh, decisions, your investment decisions? And that one will kind of set us up for the next show. All righty. So let me just talk about uh, some numbers. Anybody in business, you kind of know these. So this shouldn't be any revelation, but I have a couple points to make. One is if we grabbed 100 people, uh, 100 new startups, the class of 2011, January of 2011. In two years, 70 of you will be left. 30 will be gone. So the attrition in, in business is 30% shut down within the first two years. Our next show, we'll talk about specifically what stage of growth did that occur and why does it happen. After five years, if we had a reception and brought everybody back, only 50 of the entrepreneurs would be left out of the first 100. So the attrition rate is about 50% after five years. And if we get around seven to eight, the attrition numbers get to around 90%. Now, what I think is interesting, because I am concerned about that, that's one of the things that we're trying to do when we say we're changing the odds for companies. But even more significantly is of that population, how many of, them, how many of those companies become market dominators? How many of those companies actually become the big dog, the player, the AOL, the, the Google, the um, uh, now with Facebook having valuation in the billions, etc. How do you become one of those? Uh, well, first of all is to understand that only 0.25% make it. So in order to have this reception with all these entrepreneurs that have finally made it, what it would require is that our original meeting is not 100 people, it's 1,000 people. And with 1,000 people, about two to three will make it to the point where they become market leaders or what I like to call market dominators. And so how do I get there? It is absolutely done by choice. It is managed to. There is some luck involved in it. And I know I've been on the luck side and I've been on the unlucky side. But understand is that it is achievable and there is a path forward and most of our research was there. Okay, so how do they become market dominators? Well, we take that 0.25% that finally get there and we, what we found in the research that we did, and when I say the research we did is that part of our company isn't the Mater research and Mater research is nothing more than reading the research of other people. Uh, we, we do our own internal stuff, but in this particular case, we did we looked at all the research studies. And what we found interesting was that these companies that went from nothing, zero, to market dominators, not just market leaders, but market dominators, companies that went from, say, zero to a billion, just, uh, just to pick a, a, a number, is that there seemed to be three paths. There was path number one, which was they went, took them four years, from their first reinvention to the big number. There was another pattern where it took six years to go from the first reinvention to the big number. 
And on the third one, there was 12 years between that time. Now, two things here. One is I have a defined reinvention, and those of you that are not uh, ongoing listeners probably don't understand that term. Let me deal with that second. What I mean by 4, 6, or 12, and what's the variable here is that, for example, if you are in a fast-growth industry and you are blessed with sufficient capital, the four-year path is possible for your firm. On the other hand, if you're in a slow-growth industry and or um, you're not blessed with excess capital and basically you've got to grow from cash, then 12 years seems to be the path. And so if you can visualize this, a graph with all these dots on it, what we found is around the four-year point, the six-year point, and the 12-year point, there was a ton of dots. And there was a bunch of outliers, but the vast majority of companies that were in there. And when we talk about uh, show two, the course forward, and show three, um, beating the odds by changing the odds, we'll talk about why those particular patterns. The other thing I want to talk about here is the term reinvention. And what I want you to do is visualize in your head an ocean wave. And so let's look at the stages of growth real quickly. We're, we're going to drill on this and drill on this hard. And the majority of the show that we do, uh, 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 the next show on the course forward, is going to be talking about growth stages. So you start the company off, you're in the trough. You're in at the very bottom of this wave. You've got a, a stage where there's a lot of sales activity going on because you need money to grow the thing. Um, then pretty soon you're kind of having a company going and you, have, you need to do some reorganization and kind of get your act together. And finally, you have that ramp that's up the face of the wave. Um, any of you who have pitched your business idea to investors or any of you who have gone to the bank for a loan, you know what I'm talking about. You say, now, if you invest in me and you do this, this, and this, I will promise you hockey stick growth right here. And you put that line up and it kind of looks like that. Well, that's a distinct stage of the company, and if you do it right, you can get there. And then finally, you get to the top, you get to the crest. Now, the point here I want to raise with this is that when you get to the crest, you have three choices. One, get off the wave. If you look at firm, it's time to get out because the company will never be worth more money than it is right now in its valuation. Now, obviously, the economy will create kind of a bandwidth of what you're going to get. But the point I want to raise is the company will never be worth more than it is at this point in time. If you plan to sell, sell now. Your second option is to say, oh, we aren't big enough yet. I'm going to wait. I want a bigger firm before I sell it. Or I need to grow this larger before I can qualify to go public. Or I need to grow it more before I can go out and get private investors. And so the second decision is how do I grow the firm. And that's the reinvention. And view this as an airplane kind of doing a loop, is that the plane is at the top at the arc, and it begins to come down almost like it's stalled, and then it takes the, the speed and momentum as it's dropping down, and suddenly it's, it picks up more momentum, and it swings back up. And what do you got? You've got this loop that's taking you back to the top. The third option, which I'm not going to spend any time on because, quite frankly, if this is where you're at, you're probably not interested in any of our information uh, that we have to offer our knowledge, and that is decline. Anybody who says we're here, we're going to stay here, wish you luck. It is impossible. Nothing in nature is static. Everything is dynamic. If you're not getting better, you're not getting worse. So on the decline side, I don't have much more to say about that except if you don't do something about it, it leads to organizational death. Okay, so... Reinvention is the last stage in the cycle, and what I'm talking about is those companies that from the point of reinvention, from that first point on, 
four, six, or 12 years to real market domination. Now, the question we get asked all the time, when people become familiar with this, is they say to us, okay, well, how long does it take there? How long will it take us to get there? And that's known in the, that's known in the literature as ramp time. What's the ramp time to that first reinvention? Well, I can tell you right now, there is no average ramp time, none whatsoever. Um, in the study, there were companies that did it in three, four, five years. There are companies that took decades. There was one company that made it in the study that took almost a century. Now, why is that? Well, part of it is, what's the intention of the owners? If the owner's intention, or they don't have one, even better, they don't have one, is they're never going to get there. They're going to they're going to grow the company big enough to where they're kind of getting by, and the checks are pretty good, and it'll kind of amble along, and they'll make some half-hearted attempts to kind of grow the firm and do something more, something bigger. Uh, so what? doesn't really make any difference because nothing happens. All those are abortive attempts. They don't work. On the other hand is that, and so what you see with those companies is that that's what happens. And typically, if the original owners either don't want to grow it any larger, which is a legitimate decision, or two, just really haven't got their act together and thought it through about where they go, is that their kids or grandkids take over the business, and that's what happens. So that ramp time can take almost no time. When you, if you take a look at Google, for example, Google's ramp time was incredible. Now, if you look at the funding and all the advantages Google had, they were also enormous. Uh, so anyway, there is no average ramp time. And what's really what's really critical, the thing to consider, is that first reinvention, that first cycle of the four cycles that you're going to go through um, is absolutely essential to get that one right. Okay. So we talked about the possible end games. Um, your company is simply alternative employment, and well, you, you started a company to have a job. All right? Pay attention to some of the things we talk about in this session in the next two because it will be helpful. On the other hand, if you plan to grow and sell, grow it and keep it private, or grow it and keep it public, um, what I'm going to say to you is this. What we're covering in this session and the next two is absolutely essential. You will get this someplace. You will learn it somehow um, if you're going to be su successful with that. And I'm only going to ask the question of you now rhetorically, and that is, what's your end game? Uh, obviously, we can't interact, so I can't figure out exactly what your end game is. On the other hand, is that is really the question. Where do you want to be on this? And if you do that, then we can take the next step. So let's move on. Next piece, how is your company valued? Well, is your company going to be valued by assets, or is your company going to be valued by income, or is it going to be some mixture, or is your company going to be um, um, measured by market, where does it stand in the marketplace, or is it going to be measured in cost, or is it going to be measured in build? In other words, what would it take to build it as it is today? Or is it going to be measured in discounted cash flow? Or is it going to be measured in a sales multiple? In other words, there are plenty of possibilities out there in terms of the valuation. What you've got to do is you've got to say to yourself, how are we as a company going to be valued? Because those are the things you've got to manage. This is not, this is not an exercise in agreeing with what they're doing because you don't have any control of it. This is about understanding what they're doing and then, and I say this nicely, cooking the books. Nothing dishonest, but managing to those metrics. So two things to understand here. One is, what is your industry-specific valuation? In other words, how is a company that is in product, that produces products to sell in this market, when a business broker or bank or a venture capitalist or an angel investor comes in and values the firm, what do they do? 
you need to understand what those are. Um, well, I'm going to offer you here in a second four generics that work um, reasonably wide in, in terms of spectrum of companies, but you need to get the specifics. And then the second part of that is how do you compare? Where, where are your ratios? Where are your metrics for all those areas? The other part of that, and the second piece, is then if I understand those two, then I need to look at those core components. How are those numbers made up? And I need to make sure that those numbers are part of how I manage the firm. Okay? So let, let me give you an idea of four generics that I have found when, when, I, did, when I have done this and I've looked at valuations of businesses, and we have uh, several partners in the business broker uh, industry uh, who have helped us on this. You look at things like, for example, return on, uh, return on sales. A second one is return on gross profit. A third area is, is cash flow valuation. And the last one is cost of sales inventory. Now, those are not the only four, but these seem to be common across industries. And the point I'm raising is if those are not your four, that's fine. Find out what your three, four, five, six, seven are and make that part of how you manage the firm. Um, now, when you look at the components of this, you have those. Let's take a look at how those numbers, those ratios are viewed. First thing that happens is they look at the uh, completeness and accuracy of your financial reporting. Let me make a case here, and I'm going to probably state this more than once, and you might, I might even bore you, is that if you're doing your own books, stop now. Cease and desist. If you've got a bookkeeper or an accountant, cease and desist. Um, if you've got any hope to grow the firm, you need profoundly intelligent financial advice. Either hire or go find somebody that could easily be the CFO of a large major corporation. Yours when you get there. Because once you understand what these ratios are, it's not like looking at a, um, a, a profit and loss statement at the end of the month. You're going to have to look at some very defined uh, metrics. Now, for now, some of those can be teased out of the financial statements. And if you've got a good, if you've got a good accountant who really could be a CFO, then uh, I think you're there. Tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, well, could be tomorrow, the next show, uh, we will talk about that when we talk about the whole area of managerial accounting. Number two is, what have your trends been? Um, if you don't have a history of positive trends over the last three or four years, you've got some issues. So what are the trends? The third one is a profitable process chain. Now, what, what they're looking at here is the operational capacity of the firm, whether you make things and produce services, does it matter? Are you, how are you positioned relative to the following term? Are you the lowest cost producer in the industry? If you are not, then you need to be thinking about that because the issue here is can you build it better, faster, and for less than your competition? That's a position you want to take. It's a position you want to hold. It not only affects your day-to-day -day operation of the business, it affects your gross margins. It affects how profitable you are but it also affects the valuation down the road. And then the last one on this is self-sufficient operations, and that's nothing more than saying, can you leave? Is the company totally built around you that if you leave, it has no value, or is the company scalable? Can you disappear? And if your organization is not self-sufficient, then I'm going to say to you, you really can't sell it. And so let me give you a few more numbers on how do we compare. For example, owner satisfaction with the valuation they receive. Uh, most business owners have 50 to 70% of their net worth invested in the firm. I can tell you right now that I'm more at 90%. That's how leveraged I am all in. And so 
most business owners, this is it. This is the retirement plan. This is the trust fund for the kids. This is whatever. Number two is only 20% of those individuals are actually satisfied with the, with the final sale price of the business. Only 20% are satisfied. 80% of the people are not just dissatisfied. I don't have words strong enough to convey. They are blanked. You can kind of get where I'm coming from here. And the reason for it is more than likely the first time they ever did evaluation on the firm is when they were getting ready to sell it. That's craziness. And then the third thing is, and this is also an incredibly interesting number, is that if you get your business valuated and you have a handle on the metrics, what are the things they're going to look at, and you know what your ratios are, companies that have been managed based upon that information have realized a 50% return net in their companies. Let that sink in for a second. All right, so you, what do you want to ask yourself? You want to say, okay, so I've got my ratios, I've got my numbers, how do I compare? Everything in the world is a curve of distribution. Am I in the upper 2% or the lower 2%? Uh, I'm not in those two groups. Okay, am I in the upper 14%, you know, excluding the two? Or am I in the lower 14%, excluding the two? Or am I around the middle? I'm in the lower, 30, lower 34% or lower 34% or higher 34%. And so if I look at this curve of distribution, where do I stand with my ratios in there? Because by doing that first valuation, why are they dissatisfied? One, they don't know what the company is worth and they've been making unsound investments and making investments in things that won't be valued in that evaluation, number one. Number two is that when their numbers compare to the industry, if you don't know what your numbers are, you haven't been managing them, guess what? You're not going to be able to uh, pull this off. And so what has become critical here for them is to, once I know where I stand and I begin to move those metrics, I can move myself, at least I can get out of the upper half, 34%. I can at least get myself into the 14%, who is the next tier, or I can get to the rarefied air of the 2% that's very much at the top. Okay, so where does that leave you? Well, here's your go-forward decisions. Nothing. If you get nothing else out of, out of today's show, do this. Conduct your yearly business valuation. In other words, say to yourself, every year I'm going to pay somebody, I don't know, 500 bucks, maybe a grand for really quality work. I'm going to bring somebody in, and I'm going to act like I'm going to sell the company now. And I want this thing valued. I want them to tell me what it's worth and how does it compare in the open market. And if you're really thinking through what the power of this can be for you, is that I'm going to do that around someplace between Labor Day and Halloween. And why would I do it then? Well, I'm probably putting together my business plan, my strategy for next year. I think it might be smart to make those metrics and whatever it takes to trend those positively or negatively, depending upon what's the right direction, that may be the time to do it. Number two is that make sure that my accountant, my future CFO can break out these core metrics so that at a minimum, at the end of every month, I can take a look at those and I can make sure that the decisions that I make on valuation okay, are based upon driving those in the right way. And then finally, the last piece of this um, has to do with the path forward or 
what we call the course forward. And that is, okay, what am I going to do from here? What, how am I going to take the company from where we are now to where I want it to go? So first you make that legacy decision. Then the question becomes, what's the course? It's a rocky course. It's a dangerous course. It is not easy to do. You can do it yourself. It's been done. Or you can get help. If you need a little help on that, you'd like to know more of what that means, then check us out tomorrow at 11.30 Eastern Daylight Time and the course forward. So with that, thanks for listening to Station IB 2E, Internet Business to um, Entrepreneur Radio. As we do with all our broadcasts, and as we do with all our broadcasts, we invite you to expand the dialogue on any show topic by contacting us directly on Skype. And here's our Skype number, 804-477-1660. That's 804-477-1660. So to all our listeners, our colleagues, our brothers and sisters in the world of business, success and prosperity is the course forward.